0: Hello, you're listening to No Such Word As Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice, as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today, I get to sit down with fellow author Paula Lafferty. Welcome to the podcast, Paula. Hey, thank you. I am so excited to sit down and chat with you today, but you've been getting a little bit of traction from some of your TikTok videos. One of those videos went hella viral. Um, Oh my gosh. But if anyone who's listening doesn't know who you are, can you introduce yourself, please?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, As you said, my name's Paula Lafferty. Um, I am not yet a published author. I have completed my uh, debut novel and well, completed is (laughs) not exactly a correct term. I'm editing it like crazy. Actually, my computer is currently resting on the massive pile of my printed manuscript. it to the right height um but i've been on i've been on tiktok for a while and i think i started making uh book videos mm, a little less than a year ago um after i had started writing this book and um, yeah i was very lucky enough for one video to just take off like wildfire this past january um so it's been a that part has been a really big adventure and uh, surprising one and one that has a lot to do with luck but um, one that has also connected me with some really incredible people
0: yeah like you literally never know when it's gonna happen um no did you always know that you wanted to be a writer
1: you know funny enough um yes uh, I actually after that video went kind of bonkers I had a gal who I went to grade school with she actually I think I my, one of my first ever slumber parties was at her house for her birthday, and she sent a message that was like, "I remember us being at a slumber party and you talking about wanting to write big fantasy adventure books and um and that was just that was I don't know that really hit me because I gave up on that dream, um I don't know, maybe after college because I did what so many of us do and convinced myself that. I wasn't good enough. I didn't have good enough stories to tell. I, um, just like that I couldn't hack it and that no one would want to read it and that I would be embarrassing myself and all of the things. Um, so it was really something that I thought was gone from my life. And when it came back, it was such a pleasant surprise. Um, and really honestly the biggest gift of my life. So yes. And then with a big pause in there and then a bigger yes than ever before.
0: (laughs) So tell us a little bit about the book that you are currently, you know, you say you're editing it, but you are querying um, for it. So what, I know you can't see too much about it. Like, I think as authors, we're very much like, oh, we want to tell you about our book, but like, we don't want to give away all of our ideas either. So um, tell us a little bit about what it's about.
1: So, okay let me let me rewind a little bit there yeah it is hard to know what to say and what not to say about the book and some people are so good at doing those teasers so a lot of figuring out what to say has come from like okay Mm -hmm. well they said this about their books maybe it's okay um but the basic I guess kind of the we're riding two floors in an elevator together um pitch is it's about a gal named Vera who has grown up in the present day living a very like an abnormally, an extraordinary life. <laughs> and she finds out that she is actually from the seventh century and that she's the legendary Queen Guinevere. Um, and so giving a little bit more than the elevator pitch, uh, basically it's, it's Merlin who has come to get her and bring her back to her place in the seventh century. And she, um, there's some issues going on with magic in the kingdom. And it turns out that these memories that she can't find are really at the heart of figuring out what's gonna miss in Team Arthur's kingdom.
0: I mean, it sounds like a book I would read like that. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) And I'm sure so many other people thought that too, because your book, your book, sorry, your video about the book got so much traction and you actually had an agent contact you, correct?
1: Yeah, I did. And that was so that was so cool. I mean, it was in the first days after the video started going wild. And I had posted some other videos about the book. And she was like, this is a, this is exactly the kind of thing that I want to represent as an agent. I'm so excited when you're ready. Please send it. Um, I don't know if you want me to go further down that. Oh, please, or... please okay.
0: give me the gossip. <laughs> give me it
1: okay so we'll just go through that meandering adventure and I was like oh my gosh that's amazing so cool and she was I want to say this up front she was so kind and so generous with her time um and uh so yeah I you know I actually let me come back to that part in a little bit but um so I was really excited kept making videos was working very hard on edits having uh, some beta readers read it and just really trying to rush because I wanted to get into querying mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Um, so the time came that, let's see, how did this unfold? Um, so I had told her a kind of a rough timeline and that date kind of came and went, it was like a week after, and I had posted a couple more videos and she sent me a little bit, like just a little follow-up email, like, Hey, there's a lot of buzz around fantasy books right now. Not trying to pressure you or rush you, but I'd really love to see that. Even though she said it, she was like, I'm not trying to pressure you or rush you. I still rushed myself and was like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just finish up a real quick proof through, and then I'll send it to her. Even though I knew there were things I really wanted to change, but I was like, we're going to ignore that gut instinct and Mm -hmm. charge forward. Um, So I went ahead and sent her the draft and... She read it and I sat down one day to open the email response from her. Um, and it was a no. And oh boy, did that no hurt. Um, because I had also, when you know, when I sent the manuscript to her, I was like, Well, I have somebody who's really interested. I can't just send it to one person. I should send out some, I should get my rush to get my query ready um and send it out to a number of people. Um, and I have only got I had only gotten rejections from those folks, and then I got a no from her, and uh, she said very kind things and gave a lot of helpful feedback. That was, I guess, it was kind of affirming because it was in line with all the changes that I have been lining up to try to make. Uh, but it also was just in that moment, oh my gosh, so crushing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I completely. I mean, at least hey, you, at least she emailed you back. Oh my god! <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, and she read the whole thing, and that is yeah saying
1: a lot because it's uh in that iteration it was one hundred and seventy five thousand words, which which was is big long. for
0: a debut. Like they yes. would have been like, if she had said yes, she'd be like, okay, girl, we got to cut out like a hundred thousand words here. Like this, is like a lot more. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, the publishing industry is ruthless and I think that's what so many people who aren't authors don't realize. You know, I think they understand, you know, okay, it's competitive, it's hard to get your book traditionally published, but I think they don't understand you can query like 30, 40 agents and you don't hear back from any of them. Right. And or if you do hear back, like I have my own story um I think I've told it once on the podcast before. Um, i haven't heard it with my first book it was a nonfiction about a very niche topic and it was very kind of up and it was very relevant in the media at that moment and i sent out my query to i think 15 agents at that point um which is still quite a lot i think looking back i probably should have honed it down to like six or seven and really gone in with like a good pitch um but i did hear back from a very well known and well respected um literary agent in the uk who had represented autobiographies of celebrities so i was like oh my god i've made it this is incredible um and we had like an hour long phone call and he gave me some really great advice for the book about i think you should go this direction with it you know this would resonate more and i did end up making those changes and it made the book better but at the end of that conversation he said to me oh I want you to redo the manuscript and then send it back to me so I did that it took me probably Mm -hmm. about uh, just over a month to do it because yeah you have to it takes time and I was ghosted oh no I heard nothing back from him so I waited two full months before sending a follow-up email sent a follow-up email and heard nothing waited another month sent another email just like hey you know please just let me know if you're interested because I really want this story to be told so otherwise I'm gonna go in a different direction um I even called his office like I was getting so anxious like in my head I was like I just want to know like can someone please just tell me if this is a yes or a no um and then I got a very rude email back from him basically saying um you know this is not how you behave in the publishing industry you basically like, oh, I'm a big time guy. You're a little girl who doesn't know anything kind of vibe. And I was like, hey, I just like, if you'd said no, that's fine. You just didn't tell me anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty ruthless out there.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, that, that's really tough. And then also the, if you don't know, how are you supposed to know? Um Part of it is like, what do you do? I mm-hmm. I feel very very lucky. I mean, this agent could not have been kinder or more generous, and she was. She was also like, "Yes, I know you. You're brand, clearly you made the TikTok saying you're brand new to this. Clearly, you're brand new. So ask me if you have any questions." And it felt like having a little bit of a friend there. Yeah. Um, which was nice. But yeah, it's still. It doesn't mean. Even though it's kind, it still hurts like hell. It's just it's, it's, a, it's hard a hard thing yeah
0: but isn't it funny though like there's so many stories of such well-loved books and extremely popular books that were rejected so many times and then also nowadays we're seeing so many books that so many indie books that are taking over the market like it's true it's insane and half of these indie books i'd be like oh i thought they were to do, like zodiac academy I had no idea that that was an indie, an indie book, and they are. I didn't realize that. They are selling like crazy. It's it's insane. Um, so there's always different options, but you're focusing on tradi- being traditionally published. So, what is the process of querying like for anyone who maybe doesn't know what that's like?
1: Yeah. Um. Well, I am currently after that last bout, and again, this is. There's, a, there's definitely silver linings to all of the ways this has come about. I've really learned the lesson of press pause, do the work, then restart. So I'm on a querying pause at the moment. Um, but the querying process is, it's um, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. You don't usually just send your, uh, your pitch or your query to one agent, you send it to at least a couple agents. And different people have different philosophies on how many you should send to in each batch. I've heard 10, I've heard 20, you know, it just depends on who you talk to. I don't know that there's a wrong way. I think there are, well, I'm sure there are a lot of wrong ways and also a lot
0: of right ways. I think it's a lot of like, you know, if you're applying for jobs and you're sending out like a mass cover letter, like that doesn't look as good as if you're being like really specific.
1: Yeah, that's very true. And there are so many people that I have come across on TikTok who offer amazing querying advice on your query letters. And then also, I mean, if you reach out to people, so many folks are willing to take a look at your query letter and uh, give feedback and input and insight. Oh my gosh, that has been so helpful. I've talked to a number of folks who've just like, hey, can I do a pass? They've even asked, hey, can I do a pass at this? Would it hurt your feelings? And I'm like, no, please. (laughs) You figured out how to make this work. So please. But yeah, the query includes, as alluded to, always the query letter. Um, That is the one piece that seems to be consistent across the board. And it basically includes, as far as I can tell, pretty much three things. So you've got your, a little bit of a Quick pitch about the book, the category, the word count, that sort of thing. Then you've got a little, and this is for a fiction book. And then you've got a section that gives um, kind of a, a book blurb. So, not really a full synopsis like what you'd see on the back cover of a book. And then you've got your section that is about you, the author. Um, if you have any awards, what your writing credentials are, or if you don't have those, just like a little bit about you. I heard an agent once say that they read the pages or asked for more pages reached out to the author because they thought they might have gone to the same high school as them
0: oh, um, wow! based See, on what I they yeah just like that,
1: a random fact
0: when i was originally querying i found that part so difficult because i was like what do I put down here? Like, that I want a creative right. writing contest in high school? Like, they don't want to get, like, <laughs> that, I, that I do horseback riding? Like, maybe that, I'm writing a fantasy book. Maybe they'll be like, hey, she knows how to ride horses. Like, yep. who knows? It's so hard to tell. It is. It is a lot of it. It's kind of the same
1: in some ways. Of course, we've got more uh, empirical evidence on it. And thankfully, I think social media and TikTok specifically yeah. is really raising the curtains on um, what that looks like and what that should look like. So there is a wealth of resources there. But in some ways, it's a little bit like the rest of making videos on TikTok and social media. It's like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks
0: For sure. and what
1: doesn't. So
0: For sure. learn
1: learn from the failures.
0: Yeah. How did you begin... With finding what agents to even send your stuff to,
1: well, I started by watching, just like looking up how to query agents on YouTube and on TikTok, and um I found out that way about Query Tracker, which is a website where you can find just the mass list of agents, and you can search by uh, category. So I looked up agents who are open to submissions. That's a big one. Oh, that's a key. and then. Uh, Yes. And then also agents who are open to submissions in uh, specifically in the fantasy genre, because that's what I'm writing in. Um, And then kind of just like clicking through and I would go to the agent's website, read about them, see if it sounds like a good fit, check out their manuscript wish list, check out the authors they represent. Um, And then specifically, like I have still my like kind of golden agents that I have written down in a notebook somewhere that's like, okay, this person represents people who are writing books like mine. And I think they would, I think they would be a great fit for me. Yeah. And also I think they would be perfect. So, um,
0: then And it you, hurts you,
1: extra when they reject you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. And it's so <laughs>
0: Most of those I haven't sent queries to uh, yet because I'm saving them. I still remember the um, the agent, that, and I won't say her name. She never, I never heard back from her. But her manuscript wish list was for mermaids, fantasy, young adult, and queer representation, and oh that God. is my book. Um, yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, I've struck gold, <laughs> and um, apparently not. <laughs> oh man (laughs) but you know these agents they see so many manuscripts you know it's insane like I don't I honestly don't think people realize like the volume the sheer volume that is that is going through there um so yeah it takes time too
1: I hadn't realized that either and you're totally right and I think like people get mad at agents when they don't respond um and there's a feature in query tracker i went ahead and i got the premium for a year um because i'm not an organized person and any help i can have in being organized that i can delegate for a 20 dollars fee for the year take my money um but there's a feature that you can click on that shows for each particular agent how many queries they've received like in the last month and where they are just the ones that have been logged on query tracker so that is not inclusive of all oh, of them. Oh, just a what figure. Have Oh gosh, it depends on the agent. Some of them, it's like hundreds. And
0: a if month. you think like, like, can I know, you I wouldn't s- reply to that many emails.
1: No. And some of them, it's like some agents don't wanna see pages. They just want a letter and they'll request yeah. pages. Some mm-hmm. wanna see 10 pages. Some it's like three chapters, 50 pages. I mean, if you're reading that much material and then I, it's just a lot. It's, it's so much so
0: much to keep track of. And so, I think so much. some people as well, and I certainly didn't understand this when I first started querying, the traditional publishing route takes time. Like yeah. the publishing world is slow, like from the time of, if you're lucky enough to get an agent and then you get a publishing deal and then the book's published, you're talking like three years Standard, like three years is standard to go through the whole process. Like between your book getting picked up and it being available to buy, it takes so much time.
1: I know, and that's one of those things that um I've I made a video about it. But I'm pursuing traditional publishing, like I mentioned earlier, because I'm not an organized human. Uh, and any the idea of anything, I mean, self-publishing is running your own business effectively. Um, which it. is some, some <laughs> I mean, you're doing it. I haven't even touched it yet, but I know it's not something that that's not my strength. Um, and then there is a, there is a, a bit of a financial burden there too. Oh, yeah. uh, financial barrier there. Uh, so for me, that's a large reason. Those things are a big reason why I'm pursuing traditional publishing, but, oh my gosh, there's so many great things about self-publishing or independently publishing
0: I mean, I think there's there's pros and cons on both sides. It's you know? so true. And I think for me, I'm just really glad. I think book talk has a lot to do with that. We're kind of moving away from the narrative of, oh, if you can't get your book traditionally published, oh, I'm just going to default to self-publishing. You know, nowadays we're seeing traditionally published authors who have been trad for like a decade have their readership. And they're like, oh, you know what, my next book, I'm going to publish it myself because I already have my readership and it just makes sense to cut out the middleman, Um, Mm -hmm. which I think is so lovely. And I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, you know, why should I write my book? You know, who wants to read what I have to write? Well, everyone has a story to tell. And what really made me start writing fiction was someone said to me, every story has already been told the bare bones of every story that you could think of has been told, but no one has told it the way you're going to. Yes.
1: And that's so powerful. And I think for so many of us who have that writing itch or storytelling itch, hearing that is just like being gifted this, I don't know, a golden glow that's like, oh my gosh, yes, I do have, I do have
0: something to say. So. Where it's did the idea exciting. of La Vie du Genevieve come from? For you? Um, well, so it actually
1: originated in 2009. So the story, the story idea has been hanging out for a while. I'm looking. Oh, behind I'm going te- to I'm it. Gonna
0: tell you as well, like your first book will take you the longest. Once you've published that, yeah. the rest will come.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's I love that. Um, that's really encouraging. Let me see if I've got the notebook usually I think it's on a different bookshelf, but, um, so I had an, a Harry Potter internship in 2009, helping to lead magic themed tours through England and Scotland. So it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like an official license things.
0: That <laughs> you know? is so cool. So you went to like the Glenfinnan viaduct. Um, and yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. I'm from, I'm from Scotland. All... Oh, I love that so much.
1: Yeah, I I fell madly, madly in love with all of those places. So we were everywhere from, um, we spent very little time in London, which at, before I went, I was so sad about. But then once we were there, going all over, we, were, we spent a lot of time in the Somerset area and then up in York. And then we went up to Edinburgh and then up to Fort William. And
0: um, you're the first American that I've ever heard saying Edinburgh correctly.
1: well Well, to be fair i said it fully wrong before i went (laughs) so i've had time to practice but thank you
0: (laughs) what an amazing um, job like of course you got so much inspiration from those locations they are stunning yeah it was the best it was the best thing ever and oddly enough the
1: place on the itinerary that i was least excited about because i was like okay it's just a town um was glastonbury england Mm -hmm. and. And um, we went there and immediately we drove into town and I was the navigator in the tour and the little, in the little tour bus thing, um, 12 passenger van or whatever it was. And I saw from a distance, the tour, which is for anyone who listens and doesn't know, it's just this hill that emerges out of, it feels like out of nowhere. It looks like a lone hill, even though there's other hills in the area, it just, it sticks out and it draws you in. And. I saw it and I was like, I gotta get to the top of that thing. I felt this just magnetic pull immediately. Um, And so we did, we went for sunset up to the top of the tour that day. And then we did a tour of the Glastonbury Abbey and I had some free time. Everybody was able to go off on their own. And I was sitting in the ruins of the Glastonbury Abbey where they have this little sign posted that says like, oh, they found the tomb, they have found the grave of king arthur and queen guinevere here in the 1500s and they put a marker this is where the bodies used to be well most people agree that the monks at the abbey were just trying to like generate tourism (laughs) saying that they found that there but glastonbury has still been commonly known as the site of the mystical avalon
0: and they celebrate um like Beltane and all of the fire festivals and everything there yeah yeah
1: yeah, if you follow that, um, there are a lot of businesses on the high street that have great Instagram presences, and they, there's so many parades. I feel like every week there's a different <laughs> cool, kitschy parade happening in Glastonbury. I'm just so taken with the place. But yeah, I was sitting in the ruins of the Abbey knowing all of this stuff about the legend, having just taken a little picture with that gravesite, and it was just kind of like the idea of what if a girl grew up here? And she actually was Queen Guinevere, but she didn't know it. Um, And so I have the initial writings of the, and interestingly, the beginning of the book stayed mostly the same. Um, But I started writing it, got really excited, and then totally lost faith in the story and in my ability to write it and set it aside for like 13 years. Um, And then picked it up last April, beginning of last April. And then I was you know, like a hundred something pages in when my mom had this giant tub of notebooks. I had countless notebooks from when I was a kid, just laying around where I would write stories in them. And she was like, you have to take your, your 35 year old woman, take your shit out of my house. <laughs> and sorry, if I can't say shit.
0: I'm um, Scottish. You can, you can say whatever you want okay, on this podcast. <laughs>
1: awesome.
0: Um,
1: so I got that tub and this felt like magic too and it was in my garage for a couple months and then my husband was like hey you have to get the tub out of the garage um and so I was digging through it one day and the first thing I pulled out I looked through it it happened to be in the notebook where I wrote the beginning of this story and I found the notebook on the day I made the journal entry 13 years prior it was just like
0: oh, I mean everywhere. if you needed a sign right yeah <laughs> I think it's and so yeah. exciting you know it goes back to every story has been told but no one's told it the way that you can um I am going to be the first one to buy it whenever it comes out whether or not you're going to be published traditionally or you're going to do it yourself eventually I don't know because well, thank you. I adored the middle grade book by Meg I never know how to say it, is it Cabot Cabot Pibot?
1: I don't know which I don't know which she wrote the princess she wrote
0: princess Diaries like I'm pretty yes. sure every bookworm <laughs> that is our age knows who she is didn't she wrote a book it was like Avalon high or something like that it was along those lines and it was like all the uh-huh. characters were in the modern day but they were all they they were like playing the role or it was like a cycled thing like every hundred years or so like these people were recreating or living those similar lives you know oh my gosh I haven't read it Oh, you should. It's so good. It will. I'm going to write it down right now. You should. It's really, really good. It's basically like they're all high school students, but, you know, one of them is like he's technically Arthur but it's not they're not like reincarnated they're they're just doomed it's like a curse like they're doomed to follow like so Arthur is doomed to die and like Guinevere is doomed to you know be in Arthur's in love with her but she's in love with the guy that's Lancelot you know so it's like that kind of dynamic and obviously the story of King Arthur is a story itself at the beginning so every Camelot retelling since then has come from the story of Camelot but people still read it.
1: It's true. It's all fan fiction at this point, which I (laughs) love.
0: Yeah. And I love, I love like, um, all the Greek mythology retellings. Like
1: me too.
0: love, like, I will get my hat. Every single one that comes out, I will buy. I don't care who writes it. I don't care who it's about. It's an automatic purchase.
1: There's so many good, and I've seen so many good pitches for ones that are in progress on TikTok. And I'm just like, Oh, hurry
0: up. I can't wait. (laughs) I know I just I think those stories are so I mean I think everyone knows like if you say like oh who was Helen of Troy everyone knows who Helen of Troy is but I'm pretty sure that I've read at least 12 retellings of Helen of Troy that all follow the same story because you can't really change it that much right but they're all individually published books
1: yeah and that's the fun thing about legend and myth is that you have um a little bit of a structure you have a framework but then you can just kind of go in and say what if this what if yes. this and oh that is when the joy of it is i think that's my favorite thing about fan fiction too is that you have a set of characters who you generally know and then you get to see a different version of them and there's nothing that's more fun than having something that you love and then getting to be surprised by some new version or new idea new twist on it it's just so have exciting. you ever written
0: just... have you written fan fiction
1: oh absolutely and uh yeah oh yeah I've, i had my favorite one was an indiana jones one
0: oh nice
1: like, yeah, it was a long time. I was 15, but I, you wrote some fan fiction. I did write some rec-
0: fan fiction. coming a book, right? <laughs> I did, yeah. It came out of left field. I was, like, obsessed with House of the Dragon when it came out, and I knew Game of Thrones really well. I've read all the books, like, watched all the shows. So I, I was like, I feel like I know enough of this world to kind of go for it, and it got really popular really fast, and I was like... That is so cool. Like, if you search on AO3... um. Aemon Targaryen original character it's the top result which blows my mind um but it gave me so so, cool it gave me so much inspiration I was like oh my god I want to write dragons you know so many people said to me what stood out in my fan fictions was how I write the relationship between rider and dragon and I used to be a professional animal trainer and I draw on that on my relationship with the animals. And I, I don't write it as if it's a dragon. I write it as if it's a killer whale, which is what I used to work with. That so,
1: seriously just gave me goosebumps.
0: I was like, why am I not turning this into my own book? So see, like inspiration comes from everywhere.
1: That's the most, I just feel like it's so magical.
0: I just want everyone to be able to tell their stories.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like it just, it's it, such an organic connection like between people, like as humans, that's what we used to do. Like we used to sit around a campfire and tell stories,
1: right? And have you heard that? There's oh gosh, I wish I knew the exact like source of this study, but there have been a lot of studies done that have said you can lay out a massive sheet of facts in from in front of somebody that were well researched, that the studies had all of the things they should have had, and. all the numbers in the world won't change somebody's mind. But our hearts and our minds are changed by the story of one individual. Like tell us the heart and the soul and and the what of what happened to one person. And that can change us more than seeing all of the numbers in the world. I love
0: that.
1: I mean, the emotion, the connection is just such a powerful piece of it.
0: That is so true. And I think that's the perfect note to end this on. So Paula, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on and talk about your experiences getting started as an author. I know that it will for sure have inspired some people to go and write their own stories. You know, if someone's needing a push to go and query or, you know, edit another chapter, this is your sign. Go ahead and do it. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. It was my pleasure. I so appreciate you inviting me.
0: Of course. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and I will see you all next week.